Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. This is episode 239, Expressing Your Wishes Regarding End of Life. Some of you have been with me before, and you know that my most recent career, which is about 20 years long now, has been in the field of end-of-life care. I am currently a hospice bereavement coordinator. I've been that, oh my goodness, uh, about 18 years now. And a hospice chaplain, another role that I fill at times whenever needed. End-of-life care is one of those topics that if you want to if you want to change the flow of conversation you just bring up anything regarding end of life care hospice or the like and you will have some people who will immediately discharge themselves from the conversation as if it is going to cause them to get some sort of illness like it is definitely something that can can change relationships it can definitely change the flow of conversation i am recording in october of 2023 and earlier this year former president jimmy carter went on hospice care and I can speak for myself, but a lot of other people in the hospice care industry that it was it was going to be an interesting ride because the fact that he chose hospice in his home, which is where hospice primarily uh, is intended to be, some people have the misconception, and I understand why, because of the way the media has presented it, that hospice is a place. And that is one of the four levels of hospice care, but it is one that is to be used very infrequently and only for short, short time for specific symptom management whereas if somebody's got pain that can't be controlled in the home they might go to a facility for a short time in order to get it under control and hopefully to come back to their home which their home can be their physical house or a nursing home or an assisted living or a family member's house for that matter but when president jimmy carter went on hospice it started a discussion and so you had a whole lot of people writing about the choice that he had made to forego any other attempts at curative treatment and to spend as much time quality time with his wife and his family and his church family all those who matter to him and here we are let's see about eight nine somewhere in the eight to nine months in and he's still receiving hospice care and he is still living in his home still making memories and changing the world i put a link 
in the show notes to an article that I think was especially well written. It's in the New York Times. It was written in August of this year. It's called A Finding a Fitting Final Gift from Jimmy Carter. It's written by a physician. And she talks about the fact that whenever he went on hospice, it was just assumed that he was probably going to die within a few days at the most a few weeks. And, and that happens with some people. Um, in this same year, a very famous pastor named Tim Keller uh, went on hospice care. And he came home from the hospital and he died shortly thereafter. And so many times that's the trajectory that we see, especially when it is somebody who is in the public eye. Can't say exactly why that is, but one of the things that I know as a hospice professional and that's brought out in this article is so many people are only on hospice care for a short number of days. And that saddens me and people who are in the industry with me because we know how much difference we could make when it comes to symptom management, when it comes to emotional support for the family. If we were to get a chance to get in there earlier and be able to help the family through the challenges. I don't remember if I've said this before, but I'm a hospice kid twice. So my father went on hospice. I did not know what hospice was at the time. Hospice is a philosophy of care. It's not a place. It is a choice to provide care, realizing that there is no cure available to whatever condition. In my dad's case, it was cancer. But that there is not a cure to be sought, but the care is focused on comfort, on making the most of the life that the person has been allotted by the one who allots time and that being God. So my dad was on hospice for approximately 10 months. And then two and a half years later, my mother was referred to hospice and she was on hospice for seven days, both times in our home. And I, as I have told people and will until I go see Jesus, I would not trade either of the experiences. There were reasons why my mother's stay was so short. Um, we were still pursuing curative, curative treatment until that hospice referral came through because the doctor realized that my mother's body could not handle any more of the treatments because even if the treatments could do something more with her cancer her body could not handle the treatments and uh, you know those two two stays on hospice for my parents changed my life and it impacts my life not only to this very day but impacts my life nearly every day earlier today I'm, I'm recording on a Saturday and earlier today I had the privilege of being a part of a team that hosted 
a celebration of life event. So this is something that many hospices do where they provide an opportunity for families to come and, and it's different formats, but so oftentimes in some sort of service, um, whether it be in a church, whether it be in a, a hall, whether it be outside, and give them an opportunity to celebrate the life of their loved one in a setting with others who have had loss. And uh, I'm especially tired this evening, physically, because I was on my feet for a few hours. But it, it's emotionally tiring. But it's worth every bit of it because you see families that are just so thankful that somebody remembers somebody remembers their loved one and i do this lengthy introduction to get us to the first four verses of first kings so we have hung out in first and second samuel now for probably a couple of years i didn't go back and look but it's been a couple of years and 2 Samuel is devoted primarily to the life of King David. And King David is experiencing that end-of-life phase. Now, not all of us get to participate in end-of-life in the way that we're talking about with David today. Some of us die of car accidents. There are so many different ways that our lives can transition from this life to the afterlife. But David has lived and reigned in Israel for many years at this time, uh, you know, something in the 40s, if I remember correctly. And he's. He's made some good decisions. He's definitely made some good decisions over the years when it comes to the Israeli military, when it comes to his relationship with God. He is considered the man after God's own heart. But one area that David struggled mightily, and that was in relationships with the opposite sex. He married multiple women at the same time period and he had concubines which are like lesser wives and then his children are just an absolute mess for the most part and we're going to see that next week when his oldest living son decides oh dad can't do anything about it and i'm just going to become the next king yeah it's 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 not going to go well but David, in these short four verses, we see just a really sad season of David's life. And I'm going to read it, and, and then let's just reflect on this a little bit. And then I'm going to share with you a, a document um, that may help you be able to express your own wishes regarding end of life because David at this point 
Yuri has been this mighty ruler of Israel and has been able to just blink and everybody just does his bidding. But at this point, do notice who is around him and what they are trying to do in order to take care of his needs. And his needs were great. 1 Kings 1, 1 through 4. King David was now very old, and no matter how many blankets covered him, he could not keep warm. So his advisors told him, Let us find a young virgin to wait on you and look after you, my lord. She will lie in your arms and keep you warm. So they searched throughout the land of Israel for a beautiful girl, and they found Abishag from Shunem and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful, and she looked after the king and took care of him. But the king had no sexual relations with her. So what in the world do we see in this? Well, obviously, David's body is failing him. He is very old, and he cannot get warm. And and that happens a lot of times with my patients, where they no longer have the circulation and you walk into their house and wonder how in the world can they possibly deal with this heat, which to them is not hot. Uh, that feels comfortable to them. But isn't it pitiful that the persons that are concerned about David and trying to figure out a way to take care of his needs are his advisors doing hospice all these years I've seen every type of caregiving dynamic I think known to man I, I do believe and I've got some incredibly loving families who would move heaven and earth to make sure that their loved one is taken care of they do shifts they have conversations. They hire good caregivers. Like, just so many different directions that they go. But they really make it happen. And then I have others that do not have any family. They sometimes do not have any caregivers at all. Sometimes they have paid caregivers. Sometimes they have friends that they've named their power of attorney that make decisions for them to try to make sure that they're cared for. That's what this kind of reminds me. I know we didn't have a power of attorney during that time, but we know for sure because it's going to come up in next week's lesson that Bathsheba, David's most famous wife by far, she's still alive. But it doesn't seem to be that she's part of the caregiving team. And we have no idea what type of relationship, remember, Bathsheba was not his only wife. There were multiple of them. And we do not know how that hurt the situation. And honestly, I've had patients that have a, a legal wife and then a fiancé and a girlfriend and, and like all sorts of just situations. So there's a reason why David is not, at least in this story, surrounded by his loving sons and daughters and, and wives 
Can you imagine them all in the same room? Like, seriously, David, what were you thinking? But David, David's advisors at least are concerned about him and are trying to make sure that he's taken care of. This, uh, this contest here in Israel to find a young virgin sounds a lot like what we're going to encounter eventually when we get to the book of Esther. Uh, but, and Abishag, that may not be the most beautiful name, but she was a beautiful girl. She's going to, this is not our only time that, to hear about her. Um, she's going to be mentioned again in scripture as we continue to look at Adonijah and his attempt to take the throne. But, I can pretty much guarantee that none of us, when we read the story about King David, say, that's, that's how I want my end of life to look. I want none of my family members around me, and I want just random advisors, people that I pay. <laughs> that's who I want. That's who I want. And they can send in a stranger, as long as they're handsome or pretty, and they can make sure that I'm warm and I'll be good. That's not what you're thinking, is it? I would hope not. A few years ago, really early on in my hospice career, I was introduced to a document that is called The Five Wishes. And I have put the information down in the show notes below. And this document, it has been revised over the years, um, improved in my opinion. It was a good document before, but it's a document that allows you or really gives you the tool to make your wishes known in writing as to what you want, what, you're, what, you, what you want end of life to be like for you when it comes to medical. So there's five wishes. The first one is the person I want to make care decisions for me when I can. So the first wish is you decide who's going to be your health care agent, that person who's going to make the decisions for you based upon the wishes that you are going to express in the document. The second is the kind of medical treatment I want or don't want, where you can decide, do I want feeding tubes? Do I want to be on a ventilator? Those type of things. And then three, four, and five are the ones I want to focus on. Three is how comfortable I want to be. Four is how I want people to treat me. And five is what I want my loved ones to know. And this is a document you can order physical copies there's hardly any states left now that do not use them. Whenever I first was exposed to this, there were a lot more, and over the years, it has gotten into more states. But you can look on the website, fivewishes.org, to see more about that. And now they have a digital copy, and you buy the digital copy, and you can go in and revise it as many times as you would like. Wish number three. I'm going to read some of the statements, and, and these are ones that you can 
choose or not choose, but they are ones that many of us uh, would would want want others to know and to make sure. The very first one is is probably the most popular one. I do not want to be in pain. I want my doctor to give me enough medication to relieve my pain, even if that means I will be drowsy or sleep more than I would otherwise. None of us like pain. That's just not something that we want. The second one has to do with signs of depression, nausea, shortness of breath. The third one, I wish to have a cool, moist cloth put on my head if I have a fever. Just simple stuff. Number four, I want my lips and mouth kept moist to stop dryness. Five, I wish to have warm baths often. I wish to be kept fresh and clean at all times. Now, some of this may seem like a a no-brainer, but look at King David. King David's cold, and he can't get himself warm. And his advisors are trying to figure out ways to accomplish that, and this document kind of helps to helps you to express those wishes. I really like the next one. I wish to be massaged with warm oils as often as I can be. And and then there's a few others. Uh, then I wish to have religious or spiritual readings and well-loved poems read aloud when I'm near death. Uh, and obviously one of my favorite options. I wish to know about options for hospice care to provide medical, emotional, and spiritual care for me and my loved ones. That wasn't in the original document. I saw when they had added it, and I was thankful because hospice professionals coming into the home, they do not come in to stay. Again, another misconception because I've seen that on on movies and TV where the hospice nurse comes and stays 24-7. No, that's not real world. Um, but they come to provide expert guidance through the process and emotional support. And then wish number four, my wish for how I want people to treat me. So this is one. If David had had this option, I pretty much bet he would have have wanted to be able to express this. First one, I wish to have people with me when possible. I want someone to be with me when it seems that death may come at any time. Next one, I wish to have my hand held and to be talked to when possible, even if I don't seem to respond to the voice or touch of others. It's one of the things that we encourage people so often. Just because somebody does not appear to be paying attention to you, they've got their eyes closed, does not mean that they are not listening. Please keep talking to them. The next one says, I wish to have others by my side praying for me when possible. I wish to have members of my faith community told that I am sick and asked to pray for me and visit me. I wish to be visited by a chaplain or clergy. I wish to be cared for with kindness, cheerfulness, and not sadness. I wish to have pictures of my loved ones in my room near my bed. I wish to have my favorite music played when possible until my time of death. I want to die in my home if that can be done. And I wish to be called by my name and it gives a blank for how the person wants to be called. And And then the fifth one is, my wish for what I want my loved ones to know. This one is, this one, wow, it'll grab hold of you. I wish to have my family and friends know that I love them. I wish to be forgiven for the times I've hurt my family, friends, and others. I wish to have my family, friends, and others know that I forgive them for when they may have hurt me in my life. And the list goes on and on and on. 
in really good ways. I mean, it's really been thought out. And then there's a few open-ended questions after. And and uh, one of my patients, well, really a couple of my patients back in the day, they both answered this first question. And I've just never forgotten their answers. The question is, if anyone asks how I want to be remembered, please say the following about me. And I had one of my caregivers read that statement in their loved one's funeral. Because how that person wanted to be remembered was exactly how their family remembered them. It was beautiful. If there is to be a memorial service for me, I wish for this service to include the following. And it says list music, songs, readings, or other specific requests. It is important for my health care providers to know what matters most to me. I wish for them to know the following. Like, is this not a just a very thoughtful document? I mean, we've got medical power of attorney. We've got living will forms. They're all, they're all good. They're all important. They cover the legal basis. But I, I've always loved the five wishes because it puts the personality in there. You know, I, I remember years ago that a family played classical music for their loved one because that they knew that that was going to be what what that person wanted to hear. Whereas others, classical music would not be what would bring them comfort at end of life. It might be country. I've had that request before. It may be a specific artist. I had somebody tell me couple of years ago that their loved one loved a specific country artist and so I made sure that that artist music was playing in their room this this whole idea of making your wishes known I mean David here he was a king who had had been able to just snap his fingers and literally entire armies <laughs> would would move but in his last days, the people that he probably most wanted around him may not have been because of the decisions that he had made in his life, the relational decisions. And I've seen that happen. I've seen it happen that no matter how much the person wants to reconcile with whoever it may be, they burnt the bridges, but then I've seen others that it seemed like the bridges were burnt and there was some miraculous healing toward the end. I've seen hospice workers that have gone above and beyond and beyond and beyond to try to reconnect people with their family. Had a fellow a few years ago that appeared to be homeless, was admitted like Riding on his car is how the consents were signed. It seemed that there was nobody in his life. And through some conversation, getting him in a safe place, we found out that he still had family in another state. And through some generous gifts, he was able to fly home. To be with his loved ones in his last days. And only God knows the healing that may have occurred during that season of time. I, I, I literally have tears in my eyes as I think about that particular situation.
my part in it was he didn't have a driver's license and you need some sort of official ID in order to fly during that time and I created a special hospice ID for him that got him through like sometimes you, you just never know what little things you do that affect the big picture the story of David in 1 Kings 1, 1 through 4 to me is just, it's heartbreaking. Not that this man, this man who had been such a powerhouse that had taken on wild animals as well as wild kings and entire nations, but it's the fact that his advisors are the ones that are stepping up and hiring help for him instead of those that would have been the most obvious to have been concerned about him and be at his bedside. Doesn't seem they're there. We're going to find out next week definitely one of his sons wasn't worried about sitting by his bedside because he was too busy trying to take over the kingdom. <laughs> That's exactly what was happening. So thank you so much for tuning in. Your weekly assignment feature goes in line with what we talked about today. How would you want to be treated at end of life? Make those wishes known, preferably in writing. Uh, Five Wishes is a legal document. And again, you can get it from fivewishes.org. I am not getting any kind of money for mentioning it. I just know what an incredible document it is. And I know how it can help not only you, but it can help your family members. Because there have been more than one time over the years where family members have wanted to fuss and fight over a certain decision. But then when they see it in writing and know that, oh no, this is what mama or daddy or whoever it was, this is what they wanted. Sometimes it helps them to get on board and to deal with it better. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to give you a little tidbit. This is the first podcast broadcast on a new platform. And I still use Podbean to put the podcast out to the general public. But I'm recording through a new platform. I, for one, cannot wait to click on the sound button here in a few minutes and just hear what this sounds like. I did a sound check last week, but you just never know how it's going to go on a given day. And hopefully, I'm not going to have to start over with this emotional recording. I'd like to do this one just once. So there's information down below regarding the resources used. If you... If, if somehow or another, because God can use even a story like this to tug on your heartstrings and and go, well, one thing about end of life, I want to make sure that I know where I'm going. If you don't have anyone you can talk to that you trust, please reach out to me. You can write me at encouragingothersinlovingjesus at gmail.com. I would love to talk with you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can click on the link down below 
if you just want more information says I want to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ you can follow that link you can join our Facebook group we can have a, have a chat in there and get some other people involved and then at the bottom we have the hidden episodes which really now includes all of the episodes whether it was under the a country girl in the city world loving Jesus title or encouraging others in loving Jesus and as we close out this week I remind you this podcast is free it remains free for you to listen to and free for you to share with others who is it in your life that might need some encouragement to take care of some business before they're in shape like David and they don't have that opportunity anymore? I promise it makes a world of difference when you can make your wishes known. So, thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm-hmm.